Boy, it's like homecoming around here. Good to see lots of people back that have traveled around the world, and oh my goodness, I can't even see you. But you can see me, so it's bad for you. Hey, we're in church today. Isn't that awesome? Jesus. Remember that Jewish carpenter guy? They, they hated him. And they killed him, but he rose. And he started this thing we call the church. I remember coming to church as an 18-year-old kid, out of, just finishing up high school. My life was a wreck. When I came to church, I had needs. Our home was a mess. Divorce was pending. Domestic violence had uh, erupted in our home. It's not fun to have to fight your dad to keep him from beating up your mom. But you know what? Years through the years, all my family came to Christ. And see, the church is the pillar and ground of truth. And we're in church today. And some of us have been here for a long time. Some of you are pillars sitting up here. Doors, door, doors are open. You know the, uh, Dave and Sue will be here. And you know if it's Wednesday night, the cookies will be waiting. Amen. But some are, are coming in today and you're trying to connect the dots. Welcome. Church isn't perfect. Amen. <laughs> Got issues and problems because we bring our problems with us. That's okay. This is the greatest place there is to bring our problems to. And if you'll if you come faithfully, you'll always hear the word of God, which will apply to our, our problems. And when you understand that the Bible is the word of God, if God talks to you, man, listen to him, amen? And uh, he can meet it. He'll meet us where we are. We don't have to get our act together and then come. We just come as we are. And he, he, he'll meet with us. People say, well, I don't, I love God. I don't need church. They've had a bad experience with church. They've never really tasted of what the church of Jesus really is all about. And I don't condemn them, but I feel sorry for them because if you're outside the church, you miss so much. You get to see kids growing up and, you know, just different cultures and different races all coming together. Just, God just has one family. Oh, church is awesome. So glad to be part of the church of God. Gates of hell can't prevail against it. That's why I understood that as an 18-year-old young man, I decided I want to jump into church. So welcome to church. Welcome back. I was afraid somebody's going to take your seat, Austin. <laughs> Never forget the day somebody did. He came in. Oh, it's so good to abuse you again publicly. <laughs> somebody sat in his seat. They didn't know they were just visiting. And Austin came in, and he didn't know what to do. He, he's, he's, he's a kind Christian gentleman. He wasn't going to rebuke them, but I think he thought about it. But he didn't. He just, he just stopped, and I was watching. I thought, this is great. I hope it's not, God's got it on the DVD. You'll, we can watch it in eternity. And he does like a 360 trying to figure himself out. There's 100 open seats, but so after he did his 360... He did another 360, and then he sat back in your seats. Then Bob and Elaine came in. They were all messed up. Welcome back. Love you guys. Welcome back. Pastor Matt is, and our elders have chosen um, for the summer series uh, almost just about not quite Bible verses. <laughs> 
things that people throw out and they kind of think maybe God said it. And so today I'm, I'm doing the one on um, God helps those who help themselves. She, that was my problem. I couldn't help myself. How many of us have said that? I, I have. Guilty. And when I said it, I had a very shallow knowledge of the scriptures. When I said it, I wasn't really thinking about, how can I bring glory to God? When, when I said it, I'm just thinking, how can I have a bigger house, a faster car, more stuff? God helps those who help themselves. There's some edges of truth to that. We're going to look at it. But um, I'm not, I, don't, I haven't said that in years. But here's what I'd be more comfortable with. I think you would too. How about God helps those who can't help themselves? I'm much more comfortable with that. And so let, let's look into this. Um, a bit. God helps them that help themselves. Really? Um, I know this is a pulpit, but it's a little bit low for a guy my age. <laughs> if I was five foot nine, it would be perfect. But I'm still six foot tall, so there. This lays low. I need, okay, the Lord's with me. I'll be able to see this. Longer arms would help, amen, Austin? Um, you never hear great preachers using the phrase, God helps those that help themselves. But there's some edges to the truth. Um, how about Mark 8.36 as a starting place? Mark 8.36, we're old school today, we didn't, since I'm pitch hitting, we didn't have time to get everything all set up with a PowerPoint. So let's pretend it's like uh, 1982. <laughs> it's not hard to do for some of us. Do I get an amen? <laughs> Jesus is not kidding when he says this. He says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So you've got to understand what God's agenda is. God's agenda isn't just for us to have more stuff or to make the world a happier place to go to hell from. God has an agenda, and his agenda is not exactly that we live to be 90 and healthy all along the way. Our bills are all paid. We live in extreme abundance. We, we live in a beautiful house with gardens and bank accounts and comfortable cars and lavish furnishings and, and great food and world travels. That's really, that's really not his agenda. We've got eternity to do that stuff. That's not his agenda at all. What's out profit a man? You know, when I used to say that God helps those who help themselves, my agenda was uh, material things, stuff. God's focus is the end game. God's not willing, 1 Peter 3, 9, he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So the working of God in our life, God helps. This is true. God helps. 
But, but we have to identify what he's trying to help us to, to do or, or, or to get to. Or, or God helps. And for me, you know, I'm like that in a lot of us, especially, you know, I, as a young man, I, I was full of uh, passion and full of hormones and light on wisdom, uh, absent of wisdom, no wisdom, pedals to the metal, amen, we're going for it. Where are you going? I don't know, but we're going to go fast. <laughs> and I was like the proverbial uh, top that's spinning. And in, in the hippie things, you know, you, I'm going to try uh, metaphysics. <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> oh, I'll try sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Boom, 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 boom. That didn't work. I, I, I'll try mystical things. That di- it didn't work. <laughs> you see, God. No man comes unto, Jesus said, nobody comes unto me except the Father draws him. And God takes our stupidity. Say amen, John. Amen. He's done all that. He's my bro. We got Beatty in the head with the same two by four, amen? Oh, amen. And um, God steps up in our stupidity and lets some things not work. And we come up empty. And then we try something else. You see, God helps. He's working backstage a lot of times. 18 years old, graduating from high school, facing Vietnam. Wasn't a great student. (laughs) I know you're shocked by that. Um, Needy. Life caving in. One oar in the water, rowing fervently. And uh, backstage, God was working. Remember where at church, Jesus started this thing and the gates of hell haven't prevailed against it and the church just went triumphant through the ages, through the persecuted church era in the early days and the dark ages and the renaissance and liberalism and only three and a half miles from my house, a church planter comes named Jim Standridge and they, Jim and Donna launch a church just minutes from my house. I used to ride motorcycles by, uh, by the church. There was a nice dark spot in the parking lot in the back. We might have visited that dark spot a few times. Uh, but I'm not going to tell you what we were doing. <laughs> Sorry, Ann. And there was a, a, a young couple planting a church, paying all the prices that people have to pay to, to launch churches. And there was a youth group and a youth pastor and some of the kids got all fired up for Jesus at a summer camp up in Norwich, Ontario, Canada. And they came back to school singing, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. May I humbly do my part to win that soul to thee. And uh, the girl that was in our school from that camp, from that church, sat across from me in all of my classes. Her name was Jeannie. She was really pretty. God knows how to get a hold of our hearts. Amen, Austin? Man, it's so good to have you back. I can, you're just so easy to abuse publicly. I'm just so comfortable with it. <laughs> you're next, Sam. You're next. <laughs> Backstage, God was working. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. And, and, and then pretty girl says, you want to go to church with me? I'm like, I'll go to the dentist with you. <laughs> Yeah. Sure. 
And I went to church. And I was hoping none of my friends would find out. I drove my car in the back and the doctor would hide it, you know, so nobody would see, you know. Duke was lowering his standards. He was getting scared, freaking out, and goes to church. God helps those that help themselves. I was helpless. For by grace we are saved. Through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. I remember that when I, the Thursday night, June 15th, 1972, sitting in a little park, I'd been to church a few times, and the lights came on. Wouldn't that be great if today somebody's lights come on? That's the working of God. You're in his house. Is that a coinkydink? Or is that providence? And you're hearing his word. See, it's not, God's, God's job isn't just to make us healthy and live long and be wealthy and comfortable. God loves us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, who so believed in him, not perish, but have everlasting life. God's focus is permanent. God wants you to be saved, to be his temple, that he would, you would invite him to come and live inside of you, to take the place of what you are, to trade his love for, for my lust, his, his wisdom for my folly, his plenty for my poverty, his strength for my weakness, and to give unto us eternal life. So God is working in our lives even when we don't understand it. Kathy, you went to went to church faithfully and did all the things they told you to do and came up empty. And one Thursday night, I made Swiss cheese out of your religion. And you came forward the next Sunday to have Jesus fill in the holes. Man, we have sacred memories serving the Lord together, don't we? God's working. God helps. God helps backstage. His purpose is to bring us to Christ. What shall a prophet a man, Jesus said, to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So that's what God, that's God's helping to take care of the eternal where we have done our boom, boom, this didn't work, this didn't, and then we're confronted with the gospel. I remember being confronted with the gospel. I got all these problems, domestic violence at home, and I don't want to get busted and go to prison for a lot, uh, forever. I don't want to go to Vietnam. I don't really want to go to college. I just want to get high. Leave me alone, and I'll leave you alone. But it was emptiness inside. I go to church and they tell me I'm a sinner and Jesus is a savior. He died upon a cross. He rose again the third day. He's coming back. I'm like, what's that have to do with me? Everything. Everything. My sin has separated me from God, will condemn me, and go to a place called hell according to Jesus. I know that's not popular anymore. It's still in the Bible. Jesus talked about it a lot. He came here so we don't have to go there. Jesus was talking about a new birth, a fresh start, an abundant life with answers from the scriptures for my questions. And new life begins at the cross. God helps those 
John 1, 9, Jesus Christ lighted the path of every man that cometh in the world, John 1, 9. I'm so glad he lit my path when I was 18 years old. Remember when those lights came on, Jesus died for me. I was guilty, he was innocent. The wrath of God came upon him willingly, so it'll never have to come upon me or you. And if I believe the gospel, if I believe that Christ came, if I believe that Christ died, if I believe that he rose, and I'm sorry for my sin, my failures, and I believe, I ask him to forgive me, come into my heart, save me. Old things pass away. And all things become new. My body is his temple. I'm still stupid. I want to do stupid things. And the Holy Spirit in me says, wait a minute. Don't be an idiot. But I'm so good at it. I know. That's why I came. You need some help. Okay. And he, he convicts us of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Amen. And he begins a new work in us. God helps those Whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. He lights the path of every man that cometh into the world. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. The door is open. You think Jesus is the only way? No, I know he's the only way. But what up with that? You only need a way. Take it. Enter in. Now I'm his child, June 18th, 1972. He knocked on my door, I opened it. He called me, I came. I bowed my heart, my knees to Christ. And he came to live inside of me. God helps those who can't help themselves. We get a new beginning. And now, he's work, he continues this work. Faithful is he who called us, who also will do it. Well, what's he doing? Romans 8, 29. This is one of those big verses that go eternity past, eternity future. Romans 8, 29. You could, there's been wars, the theological wars fought over this. I'm just going to give you the good part and forget about all the fussing. Romans 8, 29. Just take the, the sweet part of this and love on it. Let God bless you. For those whom he foreknew, God knew. <laughs> he knew a million years ago there would be a, a guy named Austin Benson. It's going to be a mess. He knew Austin would spin, boom, boom, and then land at the feet of Jesus. God wasn't shocked. Benson, are you kidding me? Now, we were shocked. But he knew it. For he, he did foreknow. God's foreknowledge isn't always causative. He makes some things happen and he knows some things are going to happen. He gives us a will and he knows how we're going to exercise it, which I cannot comprehend that. But I know I have a will. Choose you this day whom you may serve. For whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be what? Conformed to the image of his dear son. There's a blueprint named Jesus. And there's a project named Dave. <laughs> there you go. You thought you had the day off when Benson came in. 
All you got to do around here to get abused is just mind your own business. Here comes that preacher. Now what's he doing? He's got me in the kingdom. He's living in my heart. My body is his temple. What's he doing now? I want the bigger car. I want the bigger house. I want bigger, better, more. No, 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 no. No. He's going to conform me. He's the potter. We're the clay. And he puts us on that potter's wheel. And he touches us. And when the potter touches that clay, if there's some junk in it, and there is some junk in it, amen? He stops the wheel. He reaches in. He gouges in. And he pulls out that chunk, that little stone, that little pebble, that little stick. And then he puts, puts it back on the wheel, and on he goes. He's in the process of conforming us to the image of his dear son. If it's Duke, he's going to get it out. If it's Jesus, he's going to leave it in. In theology, it's called sanctification. Justified freely by his blood, we believe our way into his kingdom. Now we're his kingdom people, and he's conforming us to the image of his dear son. And a lot of times, it's hardships that make that happen. Paul understood that when he wrote in 2 Corinthians. He said, I had a thorn in the flesh. I prayed three times, the Lord would take it away. And he said, no, Paul. Paul, I said, no. Paul, I said, no. Paul, he got it. And he said, most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities. There are theological positions out there on the TV making millions of dollars saying, if you love Jesus, you'll never have any infirmities. I wish they were right. But Paul had infirmities. And he said he took pleasure in his infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ might rest upon him. We always think God's power is in deliverance. Sometimes God's power is in endurance through the problem. We endure all things. And we praise him. Not just when we're on the mountaintop. We have the same promises when we're in the valley. Not just the mountaintop. But sometimes our our voice of praise is much more powerful to the ears of people who do not yet know Christ. And they have to see that our faith gives us something that's real in the face of adversity. And then they know they need what we want, what we've got. I heard my mom say those exact words. She was an unbeliever. When I told my mom I got saved, she said, that's bad enough. All the other junk you've been into, now you're going to drag religion religion into the mix? Just keep it out of our house. We already have enough problems. That woman who said that to me said of her Aunt Ilo, my great Aunt Ilo, who prayed us all into the kingdom, When Aunt Ilo's daughter, Judy, died at age 30 with four children, oldest seven, the youngest uh, 18 months of lung cancer, never smoked a cigarette in her life, walked with God, died at age 30, Aunt Ilo moved in and raised another family. And my mom said, as she saw Aunt Ilo enduring, praising God all the way through, knowing that Judy's in heaven. Matter of fact, uh, my wife has on her ring finger, that wedding band that was great-grandma's, that was Judy's, and now it's Joellen's. To Vern from Mary, 1907. 
18 karat gold, treasure to our family. My mom said about Ann Ilo, everybody needs what she's got. My mom didn't understand that it was Jesus, but she did in time. And my mom is in heaven with Ann Ilo as we, as we speak. God's plan is to conform us to the image of his dear son. And he uses hardships to do that. Now along the way, as he's, God is helping those who help themselves. Well, better said he helps those who can't help themselves. Without me, Jesus said, you and I can do nothing. We, we need help. Sometimes that's hard for guys to get. Some guys, we like to be boneheaded. We can do it ourselves, man. I don't need nobody's help or nothing. It's not great English, but it's a great guy statement. Stupid, but it sells, it flies among guys. We do need help. When you understand we need help, that's the beginning. That's the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of facing life on my, in my own strength, in my own power, in my own wisdom. When I don't have to. When I can tap into divine wisdom. Why would we not want to do that? Isn't that a no-brainer? If Jesus knocks, open. If he calls, come. God helps those who can't help themselves. But there is a little element here that kind of edges up to truth. I'm going to go to James 1.25. I'm just going to quote it. I, I memorize it in the King James, but it's, it's, this, it's almost the same. He that has the perfect law of liberty, he's talking to Christian people, to Christians that were scattered around. He that has the perfect law of liberty, Dave's got it right here, the new version. You're old. What are you doing with a tablet? <laughs> Dude. Moses had a tablet. He did. Moses had a tablet, okay. <laughs> Point for Dave. But Sue could take it away anytime she wants. I'll just use this. But who looks into the perfect law of liberty? The word of God is the law of liberty. He that looketh into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres or continueth therein in the King James. Whosoever look in the perfect law of liberty, continue with therein. Be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deeds. That's where it kind of comes up to the edge of truth. God helps those who help themselves. There is an element, as, as, as I'm on the wheel spinning and he's conforming to the image of Jesus, the master will give us talents to some 10, to some 5, to 1, 2, to 1, just 1. I'm not accountable for talents that I don't have. I am accountable for the ones I do have. And so he puts doors of opportunity before us in this world. And those things are like everyday things. We have a yard, mow it, right, Dean? 30, how many acres? <laughs> God could never trust me with that much land. Think how many goats you could have in 30 acres. Jeez. Um, 
I can't, I can't even keep up with a half acre, so we'll leave that alone. He that hath the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, the Holy Spirit inside of us, the word of God is going to be a lamp to my feet, a guide to my path. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him, and he will direct my path. For young people graduating, they're praying. The next, he's guiding their path maybe in some education to kind of fit with their, uh, their interests, their giftedness towards career and jobs. And then as we land in that, that sweet spot, the Lord will guide us into these things. And he'll give evidence of his presence. He'll open a, a factual door of opportunity to quote a King James verse. I don't know where it's at. It's in there somewhere. And he's with us, and he guides us, and he opens a door, and we go through, and we have the evidence. I, I remember meeting Joe Ellen, and it's like there was, in our relationship, it was like evidence that God was bringing her into my life. It took her a little longer to see the evidence. <laughs> I could see it. And we, those affirmations from God... And they're sweet, aren't they? We need those. I call them smooches. And he guides us, and he opens the door. He provides our needs, and we have a sense of his presence. We have a sense of his guidance. He that can have the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, and continue it therein. We're, we're, we're not going to just look for opportunity and do what we uh, go anywhere, do anything. Yeah, you can have a job, but you're, you're going to have to lie, cheat, and steal to, to make this money. Well, maybe I don't, maybe this, the scriptures would guide me away from that kind of a job. His word is a lamp to our feet, guide to our path. Maybe I'll have to get fired for a job for being honest, telling the truth. His word is a lamp to our feet. And be not forgetful here, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. I'll illustrate. I graduate from college. I get married. I have no job. I, was, I had five cents when Joellen married me. I think she had no sense. <laughs> I had five. I was praying for cash gifts for wedding gifts because can't eat a microwave oven. Amen. <laughs> and... Um, we go to Missouri. I painted some houses. That was funny. Just anything to make money to pay our bills. And then I got hired at a rehab center, Lakes Country Rehabilitation Center, as a supervisor. And there was like two clients and like nothing to do. It was really weird. And the boss was, a, he was an engineer. He was a nice guy, but he was like not in contact with the rehab world. And I, I just pre I made up work to do, and, and, and I just swept the floor north to south, south to north, east to west, west to east, just to keep busy. Cause, and, and I went in, it was, I'm like, I don't know if this is a real job. What is going on here? It's supposed to be a workshop. And my, the following Monday, I came back to work, and my, super, my boss didn't show up. And then the big boss over the, uh, called me in and said I had to fire the workshop director. He goes, would you be willing to be our new director? I'm 23 years old. I just graduated from a non-accredited Bible college. And he wants me to be director of Lakes Country Rehabilitation Center Sheltered Workshop, basically to launch it. They had used up two years of a five-year grant from the government, your tax dollars going down the tube. And he wanted me to try to make this thing happen. 
I went down into my office. There was a desk. There was um, a phone and a pencil. And I had my Bible. I sat. I was so overwhelmed because Joan's gone to college. I'm working her way through a year of college. We don't have any income. We just need... And, Oh, I incidentally, I went from like $4.25 uh, $4 an hour to like $12 an hour, which is a lot of money in those days. And it's like, I don't know how to be a workshop director. You know, those days when you don't know the scriptures as well as, you, as, as maybe you do today, just open the Bible randomly, came up to that verse. Whosoever looketh in the perfect law of liberty. That's me. I've been studying this thing for four years, baby. And God said, will you let my word be a guide to your path? I'd already learned that lesson. I can't trust me. God didn't give my emotions to be my master, but to be my servant. If it feels good, do it. That does not work. That'd put you in jail. If I did what I feel like doing, people would die. Harley Davidson's would disappear out of people's garages. Yes, Lord. And, I, and I, I got on my knees in the office. I said, God, I don't know how to be a businessman. But you're the ultimate businessman of the, of the universe. And so I'm just going to work very hard. I'm very excited about serving the handicapped community. I had that fire and that love in my heart. As, as Jesus in me loves those people above. I, he loves us all the same. I know that. But he has special attention to the widows and to the orphans and the feeble-minded and those that can't do for themselves. He wants to use us to kind of really help out those people especially so that I had the heart and he said he'd be with me and he'd bless me in my deed fast forwarding 11 months I had been elected to the RCEP, RCEP committee rehab continuing education program under health education and welfare uh, to write postgraduate curriculum for people studying in the field of rehabilitation <laughs> more of your tax dollars going to I, uh, I was chosen in federal region number, uh, number seven, Springfield, Missouri, to be the one workshop director in this committee of, um, of 12 in the whole region, flying to Jeff City and to Washington and all this. It was, it was really a prestigious thing. And the Lord was with me. We, I, got, I procured some contracts from different companies, and we, had to, we soon relocated the, the shop into a, a, a really nice building. And it was up and coming, and people came into the program, and it, it, it took off under my leadership. And I knew it wasn't me. <laughs> it was him. You see, he will flesh out his word in our life. And he's interactive with us. He doesn't sit afar off and say, don't be stupid. I, I didn't mean to spit, Austin. I missed you. <laughs> He knows I'll be stupid. He is not afar off. He's nigh me. He's within me. As I yield to him, as I'm a worshiper, he guides my steps through his word. And then all of a sudden, things just kind of clicked at the business and relocation and jobs and more clients. And it, that, that center, they built a new building a few years later, and they go off and running. And God used a 23-year-old kid. I was only there 11 months with no, no background he did that and he showed me that year as I'm getting ready to launch a church 
as he was with me at Lakes Country Rehab, he'll really be with me in the church because he's into building churches. That's his thing, amen. Johnny, we pulled that verse out of three weeks ago on Friday, didn't we? Launching into a new project. Boy, do we need Jesus or what? Still do. Still do. <laughs> but you see, we trust him. As wise stewards, he commended the steward who had the talents and invested them. And when he came back, he had taken the 10 and turned them to 20, took the five and turned them into 10. But the one guy that just had the one talent, he copped an attitude and he was scared. God, Jesus isn't fear-driven. He's not fear-driven. And so he commended the faithful steward. We claim that promise again for, for this project. Not so we can be rich, but we can bring him glory. And we can be well-resourced so we can be kingdom people. Somebody dropped in 10 grand last week. Anonymously, isn't that beautiful? Let no one know it is, isn't that beautiful? That's all been sent up to heaven. You see, that's why God will bless us in our deed. Because as we're followers of him, we, money doesn't have us if we're serving Christ. Money's not our God. We don't serve God in money. We serve God. And then the money that I have isn't really mine anyway, is it, Jeff? It's, it's his. We're just stewards over it. And then we have to invest. How are we going to invest? Last time I checked, there's only two things that are eternal. The word of God and the souls of men. Everything else is temporary. When Jesus came into my heart, I stopped being dominated by the temporary. I started being really concerned about the eternal. And Lord, I want you to bless me so I can bless others. I want to be a conduit of your glory and your knowledge. I want to be a kingdom guy. I want to be a kingdom spreader. One day, Pastor Matt was talking, launching our missions month last year. And we're sitting on the front row, and I pulled out my phone. And my wife got mad at me. Put your phone away! And I had it on the calculator. I wasn't checking up Facebook. How many likes I got. Calculator. And then I put what, and she gave me that, that eye, you know. And I, I showed her what it was our weekly giving to missions. And instantly, she knew that I was connected with what Pastor Matt was saying. Because she, she writes out the check. She knows what it is. And then I wrote, I typed times uh, 52 times 25 years doing this. We began to weep. And I was that guy with five cents, and she was a girl with no sense <laughs> that married me. And we wept because we decided a long time ago we really want to lay up treasures in heaven where moss and rust don't corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. And so we got involved with faith promise giving missions every week. On our, we just give it. We give our tithe and then we give to missions. And we just did that by faith. And it was times when we had to sacrifice other things in order to do that. You see, that's, that's our value system. My 
my vote in the ballot box will, is my values. I vote my values. I spend my values. See how much I have to spend right there? Not many values. I have one, what do you call from China, yen? Yen. <laughs> Yuan. Yuan? I have one. Mr. Bozak said that's worth about three cents. <laughs> three more than I used to have. Um, you see what I'm saying? God helps those who help themselves. That's, that's kind of silly, isn't it? God helps those who can't help themselves. How's God trying to help us? He wants us to know Jesus. He wants us to, to know that our sins are forgiven. He wants us to know that we have everlasting life. He wants us to know that he lives in our heart. He wants us to know that he's coming again. He wants us to know we'll meet him one day. He wants us to know the game plan. He wants us to know the ground rules. Somebody didn't just drop 10 grand. They sent 10 grand to heaven. Amen. And so we say, Lord, bless us. Why? So we can bless others. And then when that's happening, people just kind of quiet about it and just, mm-hmm. You can live with that. There's so many sacrificers in this room. I wouldn't go around and embarrass you because, but sometimes I find out the sacrifices that you've made for each other and for one another and for family members. And you would never say anything about those sacrifices that you make because you're humble and because the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. But isn't it great to know you've, you've done something that's going to last forever? You can live with that. And we'll never be celebrated in the lights of this world and how awesome, who cares? We know what's, what's eternal, we know what's temporary, and we commit ourselves. He's the potter, we're the clay. Lord, not my will, thine be done. Lord, don't let me follow my feelings. Don't let me follow my own wisdom. Lord, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a guide to my path. Lord, I can't help myself, but I can worship you. I can stand true to your word. I can love people. I, I can, I'll, I'll pull some widows into my heart and life and I'll serve them. I'll have some special needs people in my life and I'll take them out for lunch and I'll, I'll make them feel like number one because that's what Jesus did. And Lord, you haven't changed and you live in me and I want the world to see how beautiful you are. So Lord, just take me. I'm nobody, but you're awesome and just, just take over. God helps those who help themselves. Yeah, really but continue therein. And he said, I will bless you in your deed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. <clears throat> the worship team's gonna come, we'll close out the service. But right now, right there in your seat, maybe somebody has to make that first big, 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 big step and say, Pastor Duke, I have never asked Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to forgive me of my sins personally and come into my heart and save me. And if that's the starting point, I am there if he's knocking on the door of my heart, I'm opening. Could I lead you to Christ right now in your seat, right where you are? Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor Duke, that's me. I've never received Christ, but I'm ready. Raise up your hand. I'll lead you in that prayer. You don't have to come up here, nothing public. Anybody, raise your hand. I've never received Christ into my heart. Hold it up real high so I can see it. Anybody, I've not done that yet, but I'm ready today. Anybody? Christian, are you laying up treasures in heaven? You living for what's temporary or that which is eternal? And it's amazing. As you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, look out the window. I live in a very beautiful house. I have great gardens. 
Blueberries are coming in. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He knows our needs before we ask. All this, this need stuff and the houses and the bills, all, that's, those are incidentals to God. He knows all about that. He knows our needs before we ask. They're just incidentals to him. What's not incidental is our worship. Is it focused? Is he first in your life? Or are you still trying to figure it out your own way, leaning on your own wisdom? Why don't you just let go and let God today and just say, God, I want to trust you with all my heart. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. I'm going to do right and trust you for the results. Father, thank you for all the returnees here today from, uh, from the Southwest and from Virginia and from Canada and uh, from Saratoga and all the people that have returned today to just hear from you. Lord Jesus, we just wanna to bow to you. We wanna be great worshipers. We just wanna worship our way through life through all the trials and the junk this world throws at us. So we're thankful in Jesus' name, amen.